بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet and peace be upon him all right so continuing along our our, our exploration for um, this surah Assalamu alaikum Wa alaikum assalam alaikum All right, so here you can see Al-Qur'an. And so then scrolling all the way to the surah or to the ayahs we're on. Uh Okay, so we've now had four commands. And we spoke about uh, about abrogation yesterday. Finishing the point on abrogation, ayah 107. So I do not know that Allah to Allah belongs to the dominion of the heavens and the earth, and that you have besides Allah no partner, no protector, no wali, wala nasir, and no helper. And and this this uh, on its own, this ayah is very very straightforward, right? Uh, when we add it to to the ayah on abrogation that just became be, uh, before this, then what else are we saying? That Allah Ta'ala is dictating not only our submission to him, but he is dictating, he has full authority to dictate the changes in our, our submission to him. That's uh, in, uh, 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 in a simple sense. Or not only does Allah Ta'ala have have full authority to give guidance to whomever he wills. He has full authority to give, to change how that guidance operates that he gives to whomever he wills. And then do you prefer, however, to challenge your messenger the way Musa was challenged? So one of the points which will not, which we will not see is that when the uh, when the uh, changing of the qibla happened, and I think uh, many of you know this, uh, the question was raised: Were all your, you know, what happens to all of your prayers before? Are they all wasted now? Because before we were facing Medina, now we're facing Makkah, and and the assertion was that Allah Taala was arbitrary, and so obviously. We are then taught, and this is in the middle of the surah, that no, none of your good is going to, it will Allah Ta'ala make go to waste. Okay. <clears throat> and whoever exchanges faith for disbelief has strayed. That's also for our purposes straightforward. I-109, we have another step in the process of tribalism. So a couple ayahs ago, we said that the people of the book, the kafirs among the people of the book, and the mushriks would love for no good to come down upon you. And Allah Ta'ala is free to give of his rahmah to whoever he wills. And now what do we say? Now let's say many among the, the people of the book, kathir min ahlil kitab, wadda, they would love to turn you back to kufr after you have believed. And as we may mention before, what is the cause of it? It is hasad. It is envy. Omar, you're breaking up and the chat is disabled. Okay, how about now? Am I still bringing up? Hold on. Uh, let's see. I'm having, I'm sorry, I'm having internet issues all day long. It's just a bit hesitate, hesitating and crackly.
Yeah, if you close the video, probably that can reduce the bandwidth problem. Now the video is smooth, but there's no voice. No sound, but I can see you. There are two, two screens where it says Omar Muzaffar. Now they're both gone. Oh, now, now I see you in one screen, but yeah. there's no sound. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. okay. Right. Uh, sorry, that computer restarted, or that computer shut down. Right now, it's restarting. Anyway, so I, I don't know what was the last thing that, that y'all caught, but I was saying that uh, in terms of the, the people of the book, the 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 shift has been that at first <clears throat> they would love for no good to come down upon you, and now what is it saying that many among the people of the book would love for you to go into kufr. Okay. Uh, would love for you to go into apostasy after your belief. Okay. And the core, the cause of it is hasad. Okay. Is envy, which is what we, we emphasized uh, yesterday, right? That, that, that uh, tribalism, especially when it becomes the supremacist type thing, tribalism is a collection, it's collective arrogance, and arrogance itself is this inferiority complex. And, and so a tribalist movement very often is, is something that it's riddled with, with envy. But why would someone want this? So, so let's think of a different example. Suppose we have, in fact, let's make this so I can look like I'm Sort of looks like I'm looking at you. Okay, so so suppose uh, you find that someone is finding religion, and answer what your gut feeling is. Suppose this is a person of non-belief, and then they go into belief, but it is uh, some religion other than Islam. Okay, compare that feeling with another another celebrity becoming Muslim. Okay. So the feeling we get when a celebrity becomes Muslim, uh, try to describe it. What's that like? Is it excitement? Is it vindication? What do you think? And sorry, give me a moment as I'm juggling the computer. Excitement. I think it's uh, it's excitement. I think it's a type of, of vindication. What else? You know, so so for example, oh, fist pump. I think is probably a good way to describe it. Uh, Leith, explain this point further. Just like a feeling of yeah. Like I I don't know how to. <laughs> okay. The descriptive of a fist pump. Okay. Jubilation. Okay. Apprehension, Abdul, explain the apprehension. And feel free to type or speak. Okay, they have new responsibilities. All right. Okay. So yeah, you should just stay out of it. Life would have been better. Okay. We're right, you're wrong, and so-so, and just proved it. Okay. So now contrast that with having a, a celebrity who, let's say, becomes Jewish. Uh, how does the feeling, uh, and let's say they're going from non-belief. Describe that feeling. Disgust. Mm. I think uh, Dr. Ghazi has just said what, what many people may actually feel. Uh, is it different if it's another religion, Christianity, Hinduism, etc.? Sami's like, no feeling at all. I feel nothing, nothing whatsoever. Okay. Uh, Ahant, you're raising your hand. I mean, theoretically speaking, shouldn't we feel happy that they're 
going towards some representation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from like disbelief to, you know, you know, maybe like it's just, you know, different because I'm speaking about this, but you know, um, no, this is the exact question that I'm raising. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, like, like what does that say about our own view of our own faith? If we view that as, you know, disgusting, I'm sure like he was only joking, obviously, but Dr. Kazi, uh, Dr. Kazi never tells a joke. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. But uh, I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation we are in. I mean, if we were in a dominant culture, let's say we were at the, in the heights of Ottoman Empire or something, living under that kind of thing, I'm sure uh, my feeling, uh, our feeling, probably would have been indifferent. I mean, you're losing out. So, but uh, these feelings have a lot to do with uh, our own uh, social status and our own uh, social power. Yes. Let's see, Musab say one could argue that Islam is a true belief of the believers. I think that's what I'm very clearly arguing. Uh, uh, what do you mean by that, Musab? Okay, or, uh, while we're waiting for that, uh, any other thoughts? Well, one remember, of the just to remind you, remember there was a time in the Muslim history when uh, the Arabs were actually not very... Uh, encouraging of conversions because it would have um, meant uh, the affecting of revenue streams mm -hmm. earlier on. So yeah, under the Umayyads, uh, many of, of the leaders of the Umayyads did not want conversion because they were getting a lot more money from jizya, from the, from the tax on, on, uh, on Jews and Christians. Uh, Malahat, you were saying something? No, I'm not. Oh, I thought you were. Okay. Okay, but see, but that sentiment that someone is, is uh, you know, if they join uh, Islam and we feel a sort of satisfaction or vindication, but if they join, for example, Judaism or Hinduism or something else, uh, we may not feel the same thing. We may even feel worse, uh, I think. That in itself is a consequence of a tribalist approach to deen. Uh, Ahant and Dr. Kazi, are you raising your hand newly, or is this from before? From before. I just wanted to let uh, uh, Mahan have a say. I cut him off. Oh, Mahan, uh, were you speaking? Sorry. Yeah, maybe. You know, one of the things that may not have been expressed, I feel, you know, like when you're making a sale, I don't know if that's the best analogy, and you're like, well, somebody else, you know, got the deal. So that's one kind of way that maybe I think about it. And also, if you feel you have better goods and then you feel for the person who went for something different, like, oh, I wish, you know, I wonder if they had a chance to see my product. <laughs> that's a terrible, you know, you see the point, right? If they, had, if they had seen my goods, maybe they could have made a better deal for themselves. So that's mm -hmm. one of the feelings that maybe comes up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that is also, uh, I think that's also uh, very, very true. Uh, yeah, and, and the point I'm, I'm suggesting is that that disgust that many in our community would feel is literally uh, a manifestation of tribalism. As opposed to the way I think Ahad himself phrased it is, shouldn't we be happy or hopeful that someone has taken a step closer you know, to guidance with the hope that they get even closer to, to, to guidance. Uh, you know, and so related to, to Dr. Mahan's analogy would be as though, okay, they bought this product. So hopefully, hopefully they're going to like this product a lot. And then they're going to get to my product at some point. Inshallah. So, uh, that uh, Dr. Kazi, raise your hand. So that would be the tall order. Uh, Dr. Kazi, he... Yeah, go ahead and laugh. I think that would be the tall order because, you know, how are we, you're saying that, you know, the Muslim need to have a paradigm shift that they think the, their religion and the other religion is going to be equally on the right path because that's, that's not the, that's not the mindset because when you say someone get closer to Islam or the right path, that means that you're acknowledging the others are on the right path too. So are we, are okay, we, okay, so is, is, 
isn't isn't Christianity more on the right path than than what the Quraysh worshipped? No, I'm asking you. Yeah, so I think. I, yeah, I'm saying I it, abs it absolutely is. Yeah. No, no, it Omar, is. isn't this more? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Malahat, uh, I'm suggesting that it absolutely is much more on the right path. Right. I mean, you, you know, you, they're the right path, and then Jew, Jews on the right path. But I'm saying the majority of the thinking process in in this Islamic perspective, are uh, we are thinking that yeah. way. Well, yeah, I'm not saying that they are the right path, but I'm saying they're much more on the right path. But yes, <clears throat> but the point being that in our community, the sentiment is all of it is kufr, right? And, and, and so the suggestion I'm giving is if someone's coming from zero, you know, to belief in, in God, that's a huge, some sort of belief in God, that's a huge improvement. Or if someone is going from belief in many, many gods, and has reduced it, then that's also a huge improvement. Whether Allah Ta'ala will accept that, that's, that's a different issue. But yeah, that's, uh, I'm suggesting, you know, that uh, it is a step up. Yeah, but, and that yeah. would require a change. So what you're saying, that acceptance of the gray area. Sure, I'm just saying it's, you know, one is better than zero, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see, Dr. Kazi, you were you were you were making a point, and then late and wouldn't this be, uh, wouldn't this be a sort of a shouldn't we be making a distinction between proselytization and and giving dawah? Because uh, your your if, question seems to say yes, so please explain more. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at it, uh, if you look at our history, we I don't seem to get the impression that we were ever bent out of shape in terms of. Uh, proselytization and uh, as Mahan said to sell our wares it was more at, uh, more of a sort of look at me and, and become like me if you like me mm. if you look at the uh, Muslim or Islam in, uh, in India it's been the Sufis not the Fatihs or the or the or the Imams or the Mullahs who've been uh, instrumental in mass conversions and and the and the faqi and the sufis have been i mean the, the uh, proselytization was never their forte uh, again mahan you might want to uh, you have a better idea of that what do you think uh is that me that's breaking up or was that dr kazi who's breaking up no, I don't know whether you guys heard me or not, but uh, can you hear me? I'm breaking up again. A, a little bit crackly. Okay, uh, yeah, now it's, it's me, yeah. Okay, let's go back to the computer. Okay, so, uh, uh, Maha, do you want to respond? Uh, do you have anything to respond with for Dr. Kazi? No. I'm listening. So, hold on, going back here. Okay, once again, can you hear me from this? Nope. I guess we can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. I can hear you clearly, yeah. Yeah, you, you also became clear again. You know, I think, you know, there is this sense that speaking from just bracketing history for a second and how it happened, but from a scriptural perspective, there is this, um, uh, there seems to be this, um, uh, th there should be a desire, it seems, on the part of an individual, but also there's a directive from the prophet to convey the message. And, and so the prophet conveyed, and then he says, so, you know, for us is also to convey. And the whole convey on my behalf, the prophet said at the last sermon, even if it's an ayah. And then the whole imperative that's scriptural, uh, which is litakunu shuhada ala nas, so that you would be witnesses unto human beings. And that ayah is coming. This is why you, you were made an ummah. And so, you know, this idea of bearing witness to God's messages seems to be 
you know, part of the package of Islam. And I remember just Marshall Hodson takes that as the central sort of pillar of Muslim civilization, the vision of Islam in history and civilization was Kuntum khaira ummatin linnas you're the best community raised up for humankind you command what is good and forbid what is wrong so you demonstrate to the world and in that sense i agree with qadi sahab that there there is we have we have the goods but then it's for people to decide whether they accept them or not and that happens at the you know level of civilization power but also at the level of the heart, the mystics, and so all across the board. Mm-hmm. And also with the traders, you know, when they saw how they, how they dealt with people. So Islam spread in, in these different kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that there, it does seem that there is something in, in our religious DNA. You know, uh, uh, I don't know if evangelism is the right word, but, but the hope of spread and embracing of, of the message. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, late in Sadia. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on mine for a little. Okay. That's okay. Uh, Sadia. <clears throat> um, sorry, I uh, misunderstood the question initially. I thought that you were asking if somebody uh, converts to Christianity or Judaism from Islam. (laughs) That made me really sad. But um, uh, my comment was actually along the lines of, um, um, I I don't know if I'm saying his name right, Um, Uh Ahant. That it's a a step in knowing um, some of the convert friends who had the Hin- uh, who had the Hindu background, usually um, what we see is that uh, the first step that they take is towards Christianity predominantly, and then they come to Islam, and that's how it happened to them. So they did gravitate naturally towards uh, Christianity more, and then after learning, you know, they came to Islam. So I guess it's it's a step forward in a way. So you know, we should be hopeful and happy that they took a step towards the uh, monotheic religion. Yeah, yeah that's all. Uh, Iqbal, you're making a point. Yeah. So the point uh, I'm trying to make is that if anybody converts from from any religion to any other one other than Islam. Uh, and if if we were to happen encounter that uh, the person, uh, we could I mean we can ask the reason because a lot of time what happened is the a lot of Islamophobes and a lot of these evangelists they they put a lot of lies about Islam. So so person who's who is checking it out for other options they always say okay Islam is the last one in my checklist because they already heard from the third source they they, they don't have a time to explore the true you know, tradition. Mm-hmm. So they, they just want to camp on to some other camp, but then later on, once they find out, so this is something that now they find some proof. So they make, they may come to the true path of Islam through some other mean. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. but that point is very important that like, there are a lot of hatred and fear mongering and uh, a lot of negative image, especially in the Indian, uh, uh, you know, uh, in India and especially in the Western, uh, you know, society. So that's, mm-hmm. that's also need to be considered. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, a very, very important point. Uh, uh, periodically, uh, uh, evangelicals will come and want to meet me. So there's a big, big evangelical, old evangelical school right around the corner from one of our campuses, the Moody Bible Institute. And over the course of years, students from the Moody Bible Institute will always be registering for my classes. And I'm sure for all the other Islamic studies classes, they will come to our musallah and just sit there all day long and and they'll say that oh we're just here to have conversation and such and and it's it's every once in a while i actually have to go in and kick them off uh kick them out kick them off of campus because uh, they're making the students uh uncomfortable and they're not part of the university community but <coughs> yeah they have one directive which is basically conversion of of anyone and everyone by hook or by crook and that especially includes, you know, uh, saying horrible things uh, uh, about uh, about Islam. 
there was even a convention, not by the Moody Bible Institute, but by another, another institute uh, at Loyola a couple summers ago. And part of what they were saying in the convention, because I was paying attention, it was around the, around the corner from my office, was that in the past 14 years, more people, more Muslims had converted to Christianity than in the past 1400 years. And we have to, we have to take advantage of this wave um, and, and increase it and such. And, and a lot of it comes by just straight up deception and other manipulative tactics, you know. Um, yeah, evangelicals have, have uh, been notorious throughout history for, 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 for this. Uh, but yeah, that's an important point. And so that also brings us uh, back to the ayah itself. With its ayah, we now have command number five. Remember I said at this point, now we're gonna have quite a few different, uh, different commands. First command, be the abd of your rab. Second command, do not knowingly make rivals to him. Third command, give good news to those who believe and do right, that they will have gardens beneath which rivers flow. Fourth command, anybody remember the fourth command? Anyone remember? It was literally like a day ago. <laughs> All right. So fourth command was, uh, the text was, do not say ra'ina, say unzurna. And essentially have the disposition of service to people. Yeah. Starting, of course, with the prophet, peace be upon him. And listen. Now, that, now we have the fifth command, which is somewhat conditional. But the fifth command here is so we've already said all this that that the, there are people among the people of the book who would wish for you to go into kufr rather than into belief and so wafu wasfahu so basically uh, ignore it and be indulgent to them until Allah Ta'ala gives us another instruction good so this is uh, this is now command number five. Now, if we go through the order, the first two commands are our relationship with Allah. Third command is our relationship with believers. Fourth command is our relationship with everyone. And fifth command so far is, and so far I mean in terms of un, until this changes, uh, is, is to be indulgent or at least to ignore the adversaries. The people who, who wish for you to go into kufr, you know, whose hearts are so full of envy against you, let them be. Overlook. Good. And Allah is over all things able. Good. Ready for another command? Command number six and seven. Establish salah, give zakah. Good. Think about this. Think about how centrally important Salah is. And this is the first time we're being commanded to, to give the Salah. If we're going with the, 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 the argument that there's an or, uh, a logic in terms of how the Quran is laid out. Of course, how long into the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him, were the Sahaba commanded to pray? How long into that 23 years? Easy question. Yeah, give or take about 10 years. You know. And even there, there was an evolution in terms of the number of rakats. That was also modified over the course of, of, of those subsequent years till we have what we have now, which is you know, the two, four, four, three, four. So, so from this point forward, if there's anyone in the class who is not doing all too well in making your prayers, now try to be from this point forward super hardcore as a high priority in making your prayers yeah. and likewise for all of the previous points you know how to conduct yourself in your heart regarding adversaries who say nasty things about us which i don't know how much inter interaction too many of you would have with such people you know essentially i mean i have none right now because i'm on in quarantine uh, but during the school year, they always pop up periodically, and my obligation is just to be nice and gentle with them. You know, sometimes I'll throw in some stinging comment. You know, like it'd be nice to to be much more direct. You know, but indulge. Sure. 
So this is command now number six and seven. Establish Salah and give Zakah. And of course, know that whatever you put forward for yourselves, you will find it with Allah. That point, I think, is also, also straightforward. Let's just do a little bit more. So this, we've already seen a variation of this. Okay. None, they say none is going to enter paradise except for someone who is Jewish or Christian. Hadu, Hudan, Awa, Nasara. So that we've already addressed before, like Judean or, or Nazarene. But for our purposes, it doesn't matter if it's a Jewish or Christian or Judean or Nazarene. And so this is their wishful thinking. Amani Yuhum. And so how do you respond? You know, ask for proof. So this is one response. Oh, no. This is one modification already to this command right here. If people are making claims, no one's going to go to paradise unless you're one of us. You know, if they're hostile in such a way, then ask your proof if you're speaking the truth. In quantum sadiqeen. Where have we heard in quantum sadiqeen before? Uh, we've had it twice in the surah. Simple trivia question. I hate these types of questions, but you know, since we've already covered this so much. Anybody remember? If what you say, if you're truthful about what you say. One was fatu bi suratim min mithli. Nice, nice, mashallah. And you're saying this from memory or you just happen to scroll through it? No, no, no mem- that one was from memory. Mashallah, mashallah. <laughs> Yep. And so that was, uh, if you have doubt, then do X, Y, Z. You know, bring a surah like this and bring witnesses other than Allah. If you are truthful, if doubt is your issue. Second one was when Allah Ta'ala is speaking to the angels. Okay, you give the names of all these things. Okay. If you are truthful. And what, is, what did we infer from that? Yes, uh, yes Shadok, what, what did we infer from that? If you are truthful in the sense of your belief that you should be the Khalifa. Okay, <clears throat> and then again, you understand the logic, right, of this argument that if you're saying that paradise is for you, you should be praying for death. That was the earlier response. Okay. And now if you're saying it's paradise is only for you, then bring your proof. Where are you getting this from? Is this in your scripture? Because Allah Ta'ala is not going to break or make a promise that he's not going to keep. But the full response is whoever submits his face to Allah and is upright will have his reward with his Lord. No fear, no grief. And so, so this is the, the, the response for who will or whom will be granted paradise. Now, what's also fascinating about tribalism Tribalism is also sometimes a type of Puritanism. And what happens in such types of groups is eventually they start pointing fingers at each other. Most fascinating thing, whether we watch a group like Al-Qaeda or ISIS or or other Puritan type groups, Al-Qaeda or ISIS is more of a Puritan group. Al-Qaeda is a little bit different in its dynamics. Is eventually you have breaks where you start accusing each other of being ahlal bid'ah. And this is what we also find in this evolution listed here. So just a moment ago, Jews and Christians said, no one's going to go to paradise except for us. And then two hours later, the Christians stand on nothing. And that's what the Christians are saying. The Jews stand on nothing. Or the Jews are saying Christians stand on nothing. Christians are saying the Jews stand on nothing. Although they both read the same book. They both recite the same book. And so what is being said about them, this is exactly how the pagans spoke. And Allah Ta'ala is going to judge, you know, people over what they differ. Why would this different happen, differ happen, uh, differentiation or this split happen? So forget the point about Puritanism and such. What are possible reasons for why such a split would happen? Thoughts? Silence. 
Uh, land is probably part of it. Minority, majority, I think that's also part of it too. One of the fascinating things, uh, insecurities about their own faith, I think is getting deeper into it. One of the fascinating things, uh, passages that we find uh, repeated throughout the Quran is that people did not divide until after knowledge came to them. Because of, related to what Sharak is saying, Bariam Bainahum. So this, this mutual rivalry, competitiveness, this mutual envy. And so this is something uh, uh, about the nature of groups. So if you're driven by arrogance or inferiority complex, you will probably also implode for the same reasons as well. Okay, let us stop right here, inshallah. We're going to, we're going to uh, continuing this, we're going to see more on wrong things people do regarding uh, or uh, causes and manifestations of, of, of rejection. Uh, Dr. Ghazi, raise your hand. Uh, just a comment uh, and a question too. Uh, Dr. Ghazi, you, you got muted. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Uh, your last point about people dividing on knowledge, would it have to do something more with intellectualism rather as uh, you so uh, frequently point out about uh, spiritual or the intellectual uh, intellect of the heart? Because uh, if, you, if you're talking about intuitive feeling and connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that intuition, intuitive I mean, or I found people who are more intuitive about God, whether it be Muslim or, or not, to be more humble as opposed to, uh, you know, people in academic ivory towers. Hmm. Um, I would, I would emphasize, uh, emphasize uh, I mean, removing the terms that you're using, like intuitive and intellectual. Um, I would emphasize what is being, what is the motivation? If the motivation is self-aggrandizement, then I think that's automatically going to lead to, to divisions and turf wars and all that stuff. Uh, if the if the motivation is to get closer to a law, then a consequence would be to try to be close to those people who seem to be close to a law. And for those who are, do not seem to be as close to Allah, if my motivation is to get close to Allah, I'm not going to regard those people as much as not being close to Allah. So I'm focusing more on the humility and the arrogance underneath uh, the, the approach. So I'm cautious against using intellectualism versus intuitive and such, uh, but I think you're still making the same point that I am. Uh, the need, the uh, the uh, the need, or the desire to be close to Allah, or uh, or be away from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, uh, how would that tie into this knowledge, especially this uh, this pointed knowledge that uh, that's pointed point that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is making over here that mm -hmm. when knowledge comes to them, then they divide. Because now, what do we have? <clears throat> now we have tools to point to our superiority or their inferiority, even though that may not have been the purpose of it, right? We've talked before about the, the distinction between the adiyat, which is sort of like the thoroughbred racehorse versus the donkey. And in Surat al-Adiyat, what is, what is the metaphor that the, uh, you have the, the jockey riding the horse and if the jockey is making the horse go faster and faster and faster, that's exactly what the horse will do. Whereas the donkey is what? The donkey will just go in whatever direction it wants, no matter how many books it's carrying. And so if I am internalizing the knowledge that Allah Ta'ala is giving me, then a central uh, lesson I should be taking is I need to increase in my obedience. And if I'm, however, not internalizing it, then the knowledge just conforms to my, my personality. And uh, I will use it to self-aggrandize. What do you think? Yeah, I guess, uh, uh, yeah, I agree. Any other questions, thoughts? Oh, you were saying something else? Or someone else was saying? Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? 
Uh, Sami says, on the difference between Islamic da'wah and more aggressive proselytization, uh, we don't impress ourselves on people in the same way that, say, the Catholic churches did in America. The Islamic idea is more of telling a story to everyone as opposed to forcing people to, to believe and being more focused on the person, not the message. Yeah, I would say, yeah, our, our job is to deliver the message, period. If someone embraces the message, it's better for us than all that the universe contains. But our job is not, the job that we have is not to make the sale, not to close the deal. Our job is to, is to show the, uh, is to give the presentation. Yeah. Uh, in, in Christian evangelism, part of the idea is you're giving people grace. And so you're saving them. Uh, late, uh, along the lines of the previous conversation, uh, are we then saying that even agnostic type of belief like New Age spirituality is better than no religion if we counter tribalism and that we should applaud someone who is interested in those beliefs founded or otherwise? So uh, uh, regarding should we applaud someone, uh, I'm talking more about the sentiments uh, in, in our hearts. Uh, uh, and, and so the wider question that I was going to pose is essentially, what does religion give you? On the positive side, what does religion give you that non-belief does not necessarily give you on the positive side? So uh, in the most simple way I would answer is that it gives you a well-tread path. Meaning, uh, do, I need, do I need religion to have good character? No. Do I need good religion to run a society um, that has a focus on justice? No. Do I need religion to have compassion for others? No. All those things are potentially in me and to speak of it within Islamic language because of the fitrah, right? And so what is religion giving me? It's giving me all those things in theory, uh, but in the simplest sense, I'm suggesting what is giving me a well-tread path that other people have walked before. And, and so that would be a little bit different than, for example, New Age spirituality, but even New Age spirituality is still giving me, aside from a well-tread path, it's giving perhaps some sense of community or something like that, you know, meaning, purpose, all those things. And, and so if a person is going from purposelessness to a sense of purpose in general, that's a good thing. Of course, the purpose could be, you know, my purpose could be to destroy like if you ever watched Man of Steel, that recent Superman movie, the whole movie is basically about the search for purpose, right? So you have, you have young Clark who is traveling around trying to find his purpose. And then, you know, he meets, not to give away spoilers, but then he meets uh, all these people from Krypton, like General Zod. And General Zod said, my whole purpose was to be the defender of Krypton. And you've destroyed that. And so then he becomes this, this, uh, this wild and crazy guy. But the point I'm making, uh, I think that had nothing to do with my point, but the point I'm making is that if a person is going from purposelessness to purpose, um, and we would recognize it as a healthy purpose, I think that's a good thing. You know, Let's take it further. What about the teachings of the nation of Islam? Which from a theological perspective, we say it's straight up rejection of faith. God came in the form of a man, Master Fard Muhammad. There is, or Elijah Muhammad is a messenger of God. And there is no day of judgment, right? Core, core uh, Muslim beliefs, they contradict what we take as haq, as what we take as truth. Now, if someone is going from nothing into the nation of Islam, is that a good thing? Seems to me like overall it is and can be a very good thing yeah. in the sense of personal reform. There's a whole bunch of dark sides to the nation of Islam, whether we're talking about gender dynamics or whether we're talking about the corruption, financial, and all that stuff. But suppose someone went from Christianity, so let's say textbook Catholicism, into the nation of Islam. What do you think about that? And so if it becomes a gateway to becoming Sunni, then yeah. Uh, so, so in that case that you just mentioned, they're getting further away from a, a like a, a, a solid aqidah or I mean, are they just, I mean, is it a spectrum like that? So I'm, I'm suggesting that question is harder to answer. If, we, if we're saying someone goes from zero to Catholicism, that I'm saying is a good thing. If someone goes from Catholicism to, to Sunni Islam, I'm saying that's a great thing. Okay. 
But what if they go from Catholicism into something like the nation of Islam? Then that's harder to 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 uh, for me to say is a good thing. So, uh, Ahant, you raise your hand. Yeah, building off of Sami's question, um, oftentimes when we just try to present, uh, you know, the faith and you know not be as like uh, as like aggressive, it turns argumentative. Is is arguing or argument? a part of the like tradition of dawah if we're speaking of argument in the academic sense of here's your argument here's my argument yeah uh, that's very much one of the essences of speculative theology i'm saying here's how reality works these are my proofs you're saying this is how reality works this is this is you know we go back and forth that way right if you're speaking about argument as you are bad you know then then we're taught to 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 engage with people with wisdom, you know. And so the question is: Is there an efficacy to getting into an emotional argument? And it seems to be more often than not, no, there isn't. There isn't a, as much of a benefit to doing that. But there's probably times when there is, or there's times where someone has to be blunt. You know. So so all ultimate examples of bluntness would be, for example. Musaylima is writing letters to the Prophet, peace be upon him. And it, it, the letter is from Musaylima, the messenger of Allah, to Muhammad, the messenger of Allah. You know, let's do this. You take the top of Arabia, I'll take the bottom. And then how does the Prophet, peace be upon him, respond? You know, from Muhammad, the messenger of Allah, to Musaylima, the liar. You know, that's just, you know, that's pretty cold, but it's straight truth. Or after the Battle of Uhud, Abu Sufyan is shouting at the Prophet, he's going to first try to find out if he's alive. Yes, he is. And he's, he announces, okay, day for a day, we're equal, right? Like 70 of yours have been killed, 70 of ours were killed in the Battle of Badr. And, and then how does Omar respond? Our dead are in paradise, your dead are in hell. So, so there are places to speak that bluntly. For most of our interpersonal interactions, probably not, you know. Um, because with our interpersonal relationships, whether we're talking about family or friends or acquaintances, you don't want with your language to turn them off from the dean, you know, and, and especially with the closer the relationship is, then the more likely it is that, uh, we will, you know, our, our emotions will, will take control of us, you know. So essentially what I'm saying is that there is a place for, for blunt talk, but usually that's in the context of straight up truth versus falsehood and war and things like that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dr. Mahan, how does one differentiate between tribalism, negative, and solidarity? Positive. I like that, that, that framing. Like love of Oma and wanting it to be a force for good in the world, feeling good when the Oma benefits and feeling bad when it is hurt. Uh, I would, I would, uh, I would say that the focus would be on what action is it compelling. So, if I'm watching the Olympics, uh, my default is essentially I'm cheering for somebody from Chicago, somebody from the United States. If they're going against a Muslim, you know, in most cases, I'm like, yeah, I don't care who, who wins. You know, you know, unless it's like Usain Bolt, then you just want Usain Bolt to win. Right, you just you just want him to run even faster, but and so uh, uh, would that be my tribalism or my Muslim patriotism, my American patriotism? And essentially, what I'm saying is that that's not calling me to war. That's not calling me to attack. And and so so I would throw in tribalism, patriotism, and then and then solidarity. I think another way to frame tribalism versus solidarity is tribalism is basically saying my team is right even when it's wrong. And patriotism, I'm saying, uh, my team is right sometimes, my team is wrong sometimes, but I still love them. You know? And solidarity is saying, I am with you, often in the context of against power. Those would be how I'd understand the categorizations. Uh, what do you think? Thinking. Okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, what term would you use for solidarity in Arabic? What would solidarity be in Arabic? Asabiya. Uh, uh, would that that would not be tribalism? 
I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay, Michelle. Yeah. Hey, Olfad, how would you translate uh, tr uh, solidarity into uh, into Arabic? Any idea? Let me think on that one and get back to you. Okay, sure. Hey, Noor, is there some Palestinian term? Okay. Late is like, how come you're not asking me? I'm Palestinian too. Okay, so let's see. Um, solidarity is Tadamun. Ah, okay. Uh, can you can you write it in, in Arabic letters in the chat? Uh, let's see. Any other questions? Uh, Ramya, I wonder if the feeling. Okay. Uh, uh, I wonder if the feelings regarding moving toward the nation of Islam is a function of being further away from Sunni Aqidah, or if there's just inherent racism among immigrant Muslims, and coming to Sunni Islam makes blackness more palatable, whereas the nation of Islam does not do that as much. Uh, so, in speaking in my context uh, of raising the question, I'm speaking in the context purely of Aqidah purely of, of, uh, of creed. I would have, in, uh, if it didn't require as much conversation, uh, I would have replaced the Nation of Islam with, for example, other groups like the Baha'i or even, uh, you know, what we in Sunnis so-called the Qadianis. So not the Lahore Ahmadis and such, uh, raising the same question. The Nation of Islam I usually pick uh, in part just because that's most relevant to, to my world you know, being in, in Chicago. Nevertheless, uh, I do believe that uh, the deeper point you're making regarding blackness and anti-blackness in our community is, uh, is a serious issue that comes up every time there is a killing, like the part that, that is kind of forgotten is with this kid who, who was killed with, you know, the four cops sitting on his neck, uh, who, was, uh, who called the cops on him. Uh, the owner was of the of the the place was an Arab. So the the guy who owned the place said that he he gave a twenty dollar bill that was ruled to be counterfeit, and then they called the police. And then the question would be that if it was somebody white, would the police have been called? You know, all I know is best. But that is a serious issue in our in our community in all kinds of different levels. Uh, Mustafa, would you say Catholicism is really close to Islam? Is being Catholic better than converting to the nation of Islam? So I think we sort of did uh, did that dis uh, discussion. Uh, uh, neither of them am I calling authentic Islam, right? But if we're talking of someone going from zero to Catholicism, to uh, it's better to be a Catholic than to be zero. If we're going from zero to nation of Islam, then I'm saying it's better than zero, but I'm not settled on going from Catholic to nation of Islam. So, um, Allah knows best is, uh, uh, I mean, the depictions of Allah Ta'ala um, are very problematic in both cases. Any other questions or thoughts about anything? From Sunita Shia, dun, 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 dun. Uh, uh, I do regard being Sunni as being more authentic, but I do not regard Shia as being outside of Islam. And so where do these things play out? Uh, they play out in terms of who do you marry and who do you pray behind? And a textbook Shia, in my understanding, is in my understanding fine for a Sunni to pray behind. Okay. And I know many people who are more knowledgeable than me who will say no. So someone converting, you know, someone may convert from one to the other. Um, uh, and in that case, conversion seems to be a little bit uh, of a big word. So, Omar, I have a question. Yes. So what you're saying is, <laughs> should I stop asking questions or not? No, I was laughing at if you saw Mahan's, Mahan's point, so yeah. yeah. Um, my question is that, you know, what we think does it matter? Because if you see the, what we understand the baseline of any good deeds is So if, if we can understand that part correctly, then what we think is 
کیتھولک اسلام از بیٹر دین ہندوازم اور دیٹ تھنگ از بیٹر دین دیٹ واٹ از دا بینیفٹ دیٹ انڈیویژل ول گیٹ فار آور تھنکنگ پروسیس دیٹ ہے وی تھنک دیٹ ہی از ویری کلوز اور از ویری ہوپ فل بٹ بٹ آئی مین ایٹ دا اینڈ آف دا ڈے دا کرائٹیریا آف سکسیس از اٹ میٹ because you know we we appreciate you know my in abbot labs we have a ceo he used to say we appreciate the effort but we need the results so is effort is counted at the level or if is deliver no results okay so uh, i don't know if i can answer your effort or results part of the question Uh, but suppose you have a coworker who is an atheist and ask you, should I become Catholic or should I become, should I remain atheist? What would you tell him? It's not my place to tell him anything. Okay. So you'd say no answer. No, I think it's, it's, you know, you have to go for your own journey of search. Okay. You have to search yourself because see the, the truth cannot be found by telling by someone. Okay. So if you, if the same person asks you, Should I, uh, uh, should I be atheist or should, be, should I become Muslim? You'd say the same thing? I can actually give him some more tools and data because we, or I can gui- direct him to the more knowledgeable people like I did, if you recall it in my past to you. Now, yeah. those, so that's, this is, this, that's the way because I have those, those toolkit available. Mm-hmm. So it's the availability of the toolkit is very important, number mm-hmm. one. The utilization of those tools are important. Mm-hmm. And then the end result based upon the thought process, the framework and the delivery. If you put those things together, then you will get the end results. But mm-hmm. if you have just a blueprint, you know, what doctors have used to say that, you know, you have a map for New York and, but you're in Chicago, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what I'm trying to understand. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I would say if the person asked me, you know, should I be an atheist or should I be a Catholic? I'd say you should be a Catholic. Mm. You know, yeah. Or if, uh, you know, if I should be a Catholic or sh- I should be a, a Muslim, I'd say no question. You should be a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, if the question is that simple. Right. You know, uh, if, however, they're just, they're exploring, you know, then I might say, okay, I can't choose this for you. I'm Muslim, which means by definition, I believe. you know, that that's the truth. Yeah. But yeah, I would, uh, uh, I don't think this negates the points that you're making. The points you're making more relate to, just like you said, the toolkit. Um, you may find yourself feeling, okay, maybe I'm not as qualified to answer the question. That's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm saying from my vantage point, it's a no brainer. Right. Right. So, uh, Dr. Kazi. Uh, just going around, uh, uh, taking Malahat's point uh, further, I think there's a, a crucial point that we are uh, missing okay. over here in terms of result is that the CEO is the one who will determine the results and judge the results. And it comes to salvation, that CEO is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we are not in a position of judging results or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of processes, so... I think we definitely would say better to be in a religious tradition talking about God rather than atheism or uh, just doing a clear cut sales job. Okay. Atheism or Islam, Islam, period. Uh, if, uh, whether or not you have tools or not becomes immaterial. Yeah. I mean, the, what's, uh, 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 I did mention this in the earlier part of the conversation that I don't know if Allah Ta'ala is going to accept what that person does. Right. Just like you're, just like you're saying, Allah Ta'ala is going to judge what he is accepting as a passing grade or an A plus that is assumed. And, and, and I'm speaking not, not even just from an Akhira perspective. I'm also speaking from a dunya perspective that if someone is, has nothing, uh, then, uh, of course, uh, I'm suggesting that, you know, many of these religions would be better to have than to have nothing. You know, in the default sense, if we're talking about the best of all these traditions, uh, even if from our understanding of truth, from the perspective of truth, they're, they're, they are not untruth. Yeah. That's why I'm saying they're being given a well-tread path. Any other questions or thoughts? 
And Mahan, I'm trying to think of a joke to respond here. Shia Labouf, like somebody whose name is Sunny. So, yeah. How to counter uh, Surah 112 and Surah uh, 114. So you're speaking of Surah Al-Ikhlas and Surah Al-Nas. Uh, I don't understand the, the question you're asking, uh, Ikhlas. So yeah, from yesterday you mentioned about these evangelist circle, the, the question, there is these questions about 112 Surah and 114 Surah. So two Surah is not part of the Quran. Oh, okay. Like, Oh, there the, the basic point is that what seems is that the Sahaba determined is that what, uh, what Abdullah bin Masood had was not the Mus'haf of the Quran. What he had was the collection of what he's been taught by the Prophet, peace be upon him. And so, so he was taught 112 of the surahs. They didn't, he was not taught the other two surahs. By, by the prophet, peace be upon him. So the equivalent would be, for example, if I wrote out everything that I have memorized of the Quran, and that would be what I possess. That's what Abdullah bin Masood had possessed. And so, so they didn't claim that it was, uh, that it was, he didn't claim that this is the Mus'haf. He's just sharing that this is what he has. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yes, Jazakallah. Uh, Dr. Malahat, yes, question. So just a follow-up question from the yesterday uh, class. Uh, yeah. You mentioned a surah is unable to get into the Quran. Can you provide some? Uh, let me, let, let me uh, uh, find some readings on it. Uh, okay. But basically, the, the key point that I'm making in terms of abrogation, one type of abrogation is, uh, you know, an ayah is no longer being read or it's overriding another ayah. And then also the Mus'haf of, of Osman is saying, this is the official Quran. Yeah. Which means that whatever you have in your possession, if it doesn't match with this, it is no longer the authentic Quran. And so there's passages that are even called surahs that some people have, right? That, uh, that were not, as far as we know, never recited in prayer. Um, they may have been, but as far as we know, they weren't. Uh, but they're not part of the Mus'haf. Uh, I'll look for it, inshallah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Most of this information that I'm speaking about abrogation from the Quran perspective, it's from Taqi Usmani's book, uh, Approaching the Quranic Sciences. Uh, that's where you can find a whole lot of this information. And you can find that in PDF. It's like 700 pages. The first half is the Quranic Sciences. Second half is the Tafsir Sciences. Anything else? Oh, I have to actually run to. Yeah, Lithia, you had a question. Oh, this is a minor point. I might have missed it. But now that we're talking about um, uh, Ahlul Kitab, has the thinking switched now from like when we were talking about the children of Israel, it was people who regarded themselves as being the children of Israel. Uh, but now with Ahlul Kitab, when mm. we, see, like, we see like a statement like, um, like the one in 109, mm -hmm. um, is that categorical? Or I mean, in what sense is people of the book being applied? So, so in my approach, in my understanding, uh, uh, when Ahl al-Kitab is being used, that's a general Jewish accretion. So, where I was, I was saying that Yehud and Nasara the default is to see that as uh, Judeans and, and Nazarenes, okay? right? Now, I do have a secondary thought that in this part of the Quran, because the term that's being used by default, I'm saying by default is Ahlul Kitab, whereas before it was Bani Israel. Now, when you're seeing Ahlul Kitab, I'm more comfortable in associating this with Jews and Christians. But still, I'm suggesting of the terms of the Quran referring to those communities, Ahl al-Kitab is the best term to use. See what I'm saying? Like, for example, Ahl al-Kitab is what's being used for whose food we can eat, whom we can marry, those types of things. So in a statement, like many of the people of the book wish that they could turn you back to just, I mean, we're talking about... So I would apply that to al-Kitab today. I would apply that to the year 620 and the year 2020. Yeah. 
Make sense? Uh, yes, I think. I mean, it makes sense what you're saying. Uh, it's, uh, I think that's a tougher one to kind of wrestle with. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you can say that the short, the key thing that I'm pushing back against is, is using the depictions of the children of Israel, the, Had, the Yehud Hadu and the Nasara, as, as a default on how to understand modern Jews and Christians. Especially the depictions of the Yehud in the Quran versus modern Jews. That's what I'm pushing back against. It may be that the closest example of, 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 the, of the Yehud in the Quran might be the equivalent of like the modern Israeli settler or something like that. That seems to, seems to fit much more, you know, in terms of their, their behavior, their belief and such. But the key point I'm addressing is that I'm very, I'm not comfortable. I don't think it works in saying Yehud in the Quran is the same as Jews in America. You know, you know, Masada in the Quran is the same as Christians in America. Any other questions? All right, otherwise, uh, we'll continue, inshallah, tomorrow. So we literally have, uh, give or take, about 10 or 12 ayahs left. So it's a couple more days of class. So we can decide from there what we want to do after that. You know, maybe we'll be finished forever, you know, or we'll continue until we come up with better jokes. Inshallah, we'll see. I still don't think always sunny in Philadelphia was, was as good as Sheila Booth. All right. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natuwa ilaik. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natuwa ilaik. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natuwa ilaik. May Allah tell Allah reward you all, inshallah, and we'll continue tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.